Good evening. This evening's Dharma talk is titled Christian Dior. Oh, no. It's close though. It was a conclusion, conclusion doors, somewhere. Conclusion. Anytime you come to any conclusion, whether it's uh, just the, the causes and conditions that arise uh, where you just suddenly see something a certain way um, or whether you see something a certain way and then you cover it up with a conclusion, that takes a lot of awareness training to see the difference between those. This is called discriminating awareness wisdom, the beginning of it. It is not about picking and choosing. It's about seeing the fundamental difference between uh, the clarity of the mind and the continuous uh, pile of rubble that is created by the self-centered grasping passion, aggression, and ignorance awareness that is uh, shows up as a, as narcissism, as a self, as somebody who wants something else, doesn't want this. I don't want that. I don't want that. I want this. I need to get what I want. Most of the world is operating that way, even though they might not be that rude about it. So it's like a door when you conclude anything. <clears throat> it is like shutting a door on your awareness or on your perception of what this whole situation is fundamentally. And it's uh, uh, the beginning stages of that, of being 15 years old or 100 years old wherever you're at with that is to shut down out of, uh, it could be out of uh, hope, but probably it's out of fear of not getting what you hope for. And we can spend, spend weeks, years, months, you can spend a whole lifetime just in the, in the heaven realm, just in a realm where everything's fine. I don't see any problem with anything. I have what I want. I'm, I'm white, for one thing. In my case, I'm a man, so I've lucked out there in terms of our society, you, you guys know what I'm talking about, whether you're a white male or you're otherwise. It's, excuse me, it's difficult whoever you are, but that tends to add up pretty fast to some kind of uh, conclusion or door closing based on what the culture has been teaching you and telling you and rubbing into your mind stream over all of this time. So the sitting practice of meditation is about recognizing that, seeing that I can't do it for you. I can give Dharma talks and you can ask questions. And the better the questions, the better the response. It's, it's always mutual. It isn't like, it's like, it's like I don't know exactly what to say at any given time. This particular talk, talk title just shows up. And as I said, it started out with Christian Dior which might have been a more confusing talk. And it's so tempting. It's so, we feel it's kind of a compulsion to try to stop stop doing that, or stop closing, uh, stop concluding, stop doing it. And I say over and over again, and I'll say it now, not about stopping, not about stopping the conclusion. It's about being aware of it. And that's painful. That can be difficult because, especially if, if pride is uh, operating, we don't want to be the person who is uh, helpless. We don't want to be the person who is feeling like uh, they're, they're failing at something or just not good at something, not doing so well. We'll run that by, in order to keep the ego, the self-centeredness uh, supported on some level, on some relative level, we'll run that trip on ourselves over and over and over. Uh, we're not quite getting it, or someone is not quite treating us with respect. Notice that one. Like you're supposed to get your respect from someone else. <clears throat> Seems to be necessary to do it with awareness. So, say, yeah, we said that. But, but how do we do that? What does that mean? The way we do that is to look at anything that's moving. And so far as we can, without anything extra, no, nothing added, nothing subtracted, nothing ignored. Uh, that's ba basically the practice of awareness, simply put. And 
when we do that, when we practice, when we have an understanding of that and we endeavor to do that, then the practice becomes noticing how we're kind of approximating that. There's something we're not quite seeing. And then we, over time, we, we notice a subtle adding, adding is coming from somewhere. And that could come from uh, a whole closet full of ignored crap. And that could be, as you've heard me say before, that could be from uh, how you were treated when you were four years old. Uh, how you were treated before this lifetime, or it could come from other deep sources that I, I refer to this area as deep consciousness because it's the layers of consciousness that are probably layers that go on and on and on and on. They don't stop. There's no, there's no limiting to that area, but we tend to limit it just like we have a our door of our conclusion about things. So we don't have to be frightened by the unknown and, uh, why are we fight, frightened by the unknown? Because we think there's something that is known. We think we, we know who we are. I am Jim. I'm Bob. I'm Phil. I'm Mary. I'm Jane. I'm, I'm some kind of person. And quite often we'll hear ourselves if you begin to observe your mind stream when it's hooked up to your vocal cords. Occasionally we'll hear ourselves say to somebody, well, I've always thought. I've always been, I've been, I'm the kind of person who, since you hear that out of anyone's mouth, I don't care if they've been meditating for 30 years, um, they're concluding. So again, going by the whole thing one more time, it's not about controlling it or stopping it. Even though I might say, don't conclude, I know you can't do that. You've heard me say this probably hundreds of times, but you can watch. You just watch the way some aspect of the consciousness begins to shut down. And some other aspect of the consciousness through mind training starts to get stronger and notice the shutting down. And then some other addition might come along like, I don't want to shut down. I don't want to be that kind of person who's shutting down. Right back to what the self-centeredness and manipulation and control and just a, a pretty firm unwillingness to um, Relax and watch what moves. Sit down, hold still. Just relax. Watch the move. And if we if we begin to buy into some kind of a credential about knowing if we're succeeding at that, am I, am I doing better at that? Am I beginning to be somebody who is more aware? Am I more aware? That credential, that wish or desire for some kind of proof takes us into another layer, another lamination of self-centeredness. Do I made myself clear? Apparently, I have, because nobody's asking any questions. But you don't have to. I can continue to talk. This seems to arise in such a way that the initial movement of it looks like we're going to be able to see it. But the thing, and, and we might. But what happens is we have a preconception about what it's going to look like to see that we're concluding, see that we're closing, that we're ignoring. We have a preconception about what that is. So we continue to do what? Look at the preconception rather than the actual ignoring. Because to look at the actual ignoring, you're going to get a pretty good view of the slipshod manner in which the ego mind is stitched together by concepts and by open fear. And it's polished off by the, the conceptual mind comes in and it's just uh, puts a puts a, puts a covering over that of concept so you can't really investigate it any further. It, 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 it seems to, it, it will feel like you're, well, you're protecting yourself. So the concluding idea, as I said initially, is the concluding idea just can be the conclusion that you look outside and you see that there's some smoke up, might conclude maybe something on fire, someone's burning leaves, those kinds of conclusions that come up spontaneously just because the environment you're in, you're very aware that you're in a building or very aware that it's fall. There's all of those things come together just instantly and you have a conclusion or you might have a conclusion or a, you might uh, have a, a suspicion that something's on fire that needs to be, need to look at it. And those are all uh, totally appropriate. What starts to happen is we start to abandon that which is dependently arisen and which is makes some sense and is appropriate. And the paranoia of the mind starts to show up and we start to 
invent things that aren't actually true. That's not particularly a good example. It could be, but it's like that. It's like when we see we see some a scowl on someone's face is the one that I've used before. Or we hear someone's tone of voice. And it really instead of really looking at receiving what that is, we conclude something about it. You all know this is very simple stuff. You all know what I'm saying. We in a conversation we listen to someone's what someone is saying, and instead of actually hearing what they're saying, we conclude or we come to a conclusion about what they're saying, which may involve uh, judgments, opinions, concepts, ideas about them and about their relative what validity or their relative honesty. Very interesting area. It's difficult, uh, if not impossible, to just be present. You can't actually be present. You have to, how do you do that? You have to notice the way you keep taking a hike from what this is. We just keep we just keep abandoning the very situation that's in our face because that which is in front of us is uh, not separate. But the self-centered mind, as soon as that starts to show up as a possibility, the self-centered mind comes up with various kinds of uh, conclusions about this. So I I say over and over again, I encourage you, well, believe me, but you're listening to me, so therefore I respect you and I feel like you respect me. So I've been doing this for a while. So I might have an understanding that might be a little bit more extensive than yours. And I would say, don't believe a word I say, but train your mind. Slow down, slow down, hold still, don't add. If you come to conclusions, be very tentative about those conclusions rather than have a conclusion and then lock the door on it. When the door, that door won't hold still. It will swing. Take some questions. Teresa, about yes, Teresa, go ahead. Thank you. Certainly. Um, contrary to what's traditionally taught, um, does the paranoid mind have a, a great deal of type of intelligence and what appears to be insight, Valley? Well, yes, there's a lot of insight wrapped up in that, absolutely. So we're not trying to get rid of the paranoid mind. Uh, paranoia actually is uh, insight. It's just that it's biased. And, it's, and it, the bias comes from fear of something, of losing something. and. Uh, the other way would be hope of gaining something, but usually it's fear of not getting what we want or not having the protection or the confidence, the relative confidence that we're safe and so on. So yes, it's, it's, all, about, uh, it's all about intelligence that is, uh, is extremely biased towards uh, success and failure, right and wrong, up and down. All the polarities uh, come into play in terms of that. Whereas uh, wisdom doesn't have any favors. Teresa Valley. How do we um, recognize or untangle from that type of what appears so insightful, Valen? You you look at the tangle. I like that image. It, it is a tangle. It's a it's a mess. You look at that, and, and we can we can't when we look at that. Quite often, we immediately abandon the tangle for the conclusion, uh, and just just. Uh, even say, looking at that and saying it's a tangle is a kind of conclusion. So we're, we're actually naming it something. So there's something there. But if we, as long as we stay with just the naming part, it still uh, has, it's still thin enough to be transparent. Whereas if we go to why that's happening, then we're buying into a dependent origination. Not, not that we shouldn't. Then we're buying into cause and effect. What caused this, this caused that. That happened, so therefore this happened. And it's not that we couldn't do that. You actually can do that. Uh, it's much easier to do that if there's no solid self. There's no, if there's no longer a belief in someone, then dependent origination becomes pretty obvious. And it's actually uh, it's quite humorous the way people grab this and reject that, grab this and reject that, based on belief and disbelief. 
so yes, uh, there's an image uh, in the in the tradition, in the Tibetan tradition, about the I can't remember the can't quote it, but it's a rather poetic image of the 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 knot of uh, ego unwinds in space. You don't have to unwind it. It's just awareness because you unwind it, then we have some kind of an unwinder guy, some kind of an action of unwinding. And we're right back to what? Relative, right back to relative truth. We're back to therapy, psychology, psychoanalysis. Not that that's wrong. You, that may be the only thing you can do, but it's not a spiritual path. The spiritual path transcends all of this. And I'm happy to respond to questions about that. If you have them, I'll do my best. It's not easy to talk about that using relative uh, language, but we have to do something. There's no, there's no problem. Uh, sometimes mindfulness practice is taught as a solution to a problem, or a, so I don't uh, talk about uh, people recovering from addictions. As if some, I'm recovered, the identity of someone who's recovered from it. And there was, there was some insight into that, into the 12-step program by saying, you get up, you introduce yourself as your problem by saying, I'm a, an addict or alcoholic or something. Kind of affirm that position, which there's some insight about that. Are you bowing? Is there a way to tell if um, our conclusions are habitual, or is that something that we should be looking there, if, for? There, if you just get it into view, it might be, it might be the first time you actually realize that, that that's been happening and happening and happening. The conclusion that there's a self. If you see that there's no self, I'm not saying that the, the temptation to conclude won't show up. The, the self, which is uh, unreal, uh, seems even more real when you realize it's unreal. It's kind of like how real a Stephen King movie is. But, but then it's more entertaining. Then, then you kind of see that you're actually concluding things, that there's someone concluding things. And so it's... it's and even if you were to begin to get angry about something or some kind of anger arose around that unreal self. That's, and I've said several times, and I'll say it now, it's not about getting rid of ego. See that it's unreal. Uh, don't you get, if you try to get rid of it, then you build up uh, another kind of person who's gotten rid of ego. Question from Joseph in Kalamazoo. Joseph in Kalamazoo, yes. What distinguishes observations from conclusions? The, obs the observation is receiving. Uh, if something is coming and you're, you're observing what's coming towards you or what's showing up, you're just observing. And uh, uh, conclusion is uh, is uh, adding or projecting onto something or shutting down or having a judgment. So it's producing. So simply put, just receive. You're going to produce something, but it's good if the production comes out of your understanding of what is showing up rather than your conclusions about what is showing up, which is more production. So in other words, if you see what something is, then you may do something, but it, it needs, uh, in terms of intelligence, it needs to come out of what's happening, the actual dependent origination, not your ideas about the good side and the bad side, the bad person, the good person. I'm really good, they're really bad, they should, I should, they shouldn't. Constant uh, discursiveness around the whole thing. Instead, you can just don't do anything. And then what does show up, be about what, what's showing up very simply put. So producing, what happens is things happen and then we don't see the production because we don't see what is there. We actually produce something on top of what is there instead of seeing a, a, a hornet. Uh, we see flying through the air. We, we see some aspect of that that, that is a, a lamination on top of it. Not that we don't see an insect, but we might have, there might be some kind of a Something happen, happening on top of that, that might not be a very good uh, metaphor. It might be better to say, uh, when we do it with, other, with people, with family members or people that we're close to, we tend to add things on to what's actually showing up or happening. And then we start to react to that instead of the dependent origination that is dependently the truth. Dependently originated is a relative truth. It's still not real, but it's relatively real. And the relative reality of the tree falls down and makes a noise. Uh, 
it's just a very simple cause and effect situation that we're relating to rather than our projecting projection on top of it and, and relating to that rather than what is what is dependently visible. It's a subtle area and it takes work. When I say work, I'm saying uh, mindful, uh, being mindful or aware would be a better word, being aware of what's coming and going. Mindful is more like, I don't use that word much because it's more like tracking things and being and the identity of being someone who's mindful. Whereas being someone who's aware, uh, it doesn't work too well. Awareness can't really find an identity. Did Shoka leave? Or did she just have a cigarette? <laughs> Anyone else on the uh, Zoom? It's going to be pretty boring if you don't ask me some questions. Yes. Oh, thank you. Thinking of the example you gave with the, the hornet, you project on it. Um, an example that I see at work sometimes is I'll see a political flag and I have a feeling about it. Um, is there any truth to the feeling? Yeah, it's dependently risen. It's dependently true. Yeah, we, we, we see political flags, uh, flags driving in here tonight. It's always, it's like... <laughs> You wonder how how that shows up in the mind of a person who would do such a thing, and how there can be so many people that are interested in things like that. But this is what the question was today from uh, someone from Elna: Is uh, is when uh, why do people? I, can you remember how she said that? She, it's a good question. She said, "Why do people uh, identify with somebody? Did you take a note?" Authoritarian. Huh? And she asked about uh, authoritarian yes. uh, yeah. personality. And I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but it's it's like um, some people ident some people identi identify with the uh, you know with their their mother or their friends or their political party or something like that. And quite often, what happens when it seems to be very bizarre from someone quite crazy, like an oligarch or something. It's all about controlling people. It's totally selfish and self-centered and so on. Is that what happens is uh, in people's consciousness, uh, without that showing up, uh, then then that, that area of one's uh, consciousness is, uh, is at least uh, stable, uh, temporarily stable. They still have these kind of thoughts. But when someone shows up that resonates, that is not a frequency, that is the same frequency as the self-centeredness that has been covered up because it's, uh, it's uh, society doesn't approve of that. Uh, suddenly you've got a person who's beyond the society situation who's resonating that way, whether it's Stalin or whether it's uh, Hitler or whether it's uh, other people that remain nameless. Uh, then you get people that are, you know, yeah, this is, this is my guy. This isn't, this guy doesn't take anything off anybody. He's going to, he's going to drain the swamp. It's an interesting area to look at, but it's it's still just people trying to be happy, people trying to squeeze happiness out of something, and a lot of that comes out of just frustration over what's been going on in politics for decades, well, since it started. But people get tired of that, and so somebody comes along, makes a few promises, or or uh, doesn't seem to care about anything. It is a, it's a very uh, actually gets his or her kind of uh, identity out of just being wild and crazy and unpredictable and uh, doesn't care about any laws or rules or anything. It's just me, me, me. Sometimes we, we resonate with that. That also can happen with the, the teacher. If one's uh, teacher uh, is, uh, to make it very relative, is grounded not in a self or in self-centeredness, or an ego, but it's, it's grounded in the truth, a fundamental, ultimate truth. Uh, and if that starts to resonate with you, then you might find yourself as a student. I, I, often, I, don't, I often say I don't need to, I don't know what I am or who I am. I just know if there's people that need my help, I will help them based on how this looks. So some, some teaching people, teachers need followers. Some don't. It's an interesting area because it's a very similar kind of, uh, because we're all, as long as we're in a, 
uh, a relative realm, it doesn't look pure. It looks contaminated. And the one who realizes uh, sees it as a pure appearance. That's difficult to understand because people say, well, yeah, but you can't just let everybody, you can't just, you can't just uh, ignore politics or whatever. So it's not about ignoring, it's about including. Question for Melissa in Portland. Melissa in Portland. My partner and I had a tip today about how she deals with her addict son and her own self-care. How can I look at my thoughts and feelings without doing anything, even when it impacts me directly? It's uh, because of the causes and conditions that are rising in your dynamic with some besides yourself, with your partner and with uh, offspring or children. It's just uh, insofar as you can hold your seat as much as you can and keep it zipped. Don't say much. Um, I know that. That may not sound so great. Isn't there some kind of constructive advice? I would have to actually talk to them or talk to you more about that, which I'm happy to do. And there may be something you can do. Um, but when it comes to relationship stuff, that's uh, that's like lots of knots in space, all trying to get along and and be believing your. One thing I say often: don't believe your thoughts, but don't disbelieve them. Don't look away, don't ignore them, don't shut them down, but don't believe them as, as some kind of credential for acting or credential for not acting. I, I think it would, I think it helps if you realize that your partner wants to be happy, your partner's child wants to be happy. People just have odd ways of going about that based on causes and conditions that they are blind to, they can't see them. And when there's no mind training, people just grasp at anything they can to substantiate, reify, validate, and protect and give nutrition to a self that is unreal. And we'll, we'll do it. We'll, we'll claw our way along. And we'll do that right up to the moment where the body-mind goes back into the elements. And then this whole thing breaks down. And that same grasping, passion, aggression, and ignorance does not stop because it's tied into the awareness. It's tied into the consciousness. And it may show up again, it may not. But the, the, the causes and conditions that arise that support that or don't support it are untraceable. We, we can't we can't we can't find the we can't find that. But we can while we're alive and sitting here, standing here, walking around here, we can see the incredible knot that our mind of passion, aggression, ignorance makes for us. It's just uh, painful. And sometimes it's just terrifying. Can't do any. It can't do it ourselves without some kind of help, some kind of a teaching or feedback or support. And if somebody doesn't want that, if they'd rather have some other direction, another way to go, there's not much you can do about it. Chazan, you work with a conclusion that has really solidified itself deep, deep within yourself. Do I? No. How How do we work with? <laughs> conclusions that have are like long solidified something i was talking to you about earlier this week was this this identity of being in pain but that is something that no matter what i do it's it's like steel i just i just uh, think it's a matter uh insofar as i understand i remember what you were saying what you were talking about it's about persistence there's no way to know the causes and conditions that that show up as that kind of a situation it's, uh, it's showing up just like your body-mind complex is here. Your body is here. No matter how much you meditate, your the shape of your hands is not going to change. There's certain things. There's certain uh, causes and conditions that are already in motion. Just like the political situation, you can't fight that. There's too much momentum, too much force, too much uh, momentum. I think is a good a good word for it. And the momentum that is showing up in your situation, uh, the way I. How I said before, but I'm saying it now. It's a Dharma gate, and if you can, don't don't accept it, don't reject it, don't look away from it as much as you can. And it, and it can get more painful. Uh, it can get less painful. Uh, it's it's a relative truth, so it could do just about anything. But if you take anything that is happening there and add to it, well, that's proof this is happening, or it's going away. So that must mean I'm 
I was I was right. I need to drink more water. I'm not saying that there isn't something like that happening, but to find out fundamentally what the cause and the effect uh, is very, very difficult. Just um, also wondering about working with identity. When we step on the Buddhist path, there seems to be a shift in identity by name and clothes. Um, and I'm just wondering if there's always a strategy when we shift identities. There's a strategy until there's not. And then when there's no strategy, strategy, then you, then you're, you're even more aware of what kind of self-centeredness is still hanging out in your consciousness. I mean, it may be unreal, but it was, it will, it can still show up and, uh, and uh, create uh, disturbances or create difficulty or frustration. But if you're clear about this, then it's not a big deal. It just comes and goes. As long as there's a body-mind complex, it's like, uh, I can't remember what, what, which teacher it was, but said uh, someone was asking the teacher, uh, well, I hear Buddhists talk about bliss. What is, uh, what is bliss? How can you describe, uh, it was, a, it was a, either a Kenpo or a, or a Rinpoche in the Tibetan tradition. And you've probably heard me talk about this because I've mentioned it a few times. The response was, uh, and this is somewhat of a paraphrase, but pretty close. He said, well, what, what that is, you might call it suffering. You might, you might call what is called bliss suffering because uh, the bliss that is, is seen there is not separate. There isn't anything separate. Everything is uh, pure appearance. So, but there's still nerve endings. There's still, uh, There still may be desire coming and going, but there's no one who's desiring anything. There still may be fear, but there's no one, there's no individual that has been transcended or seen through, seen as unreal, it's transparent, translucent. Shoto. Earlier, you brought up uh, paranoia, paranoia as being biased intelligence. Could you say more about that? Well, the, the, the paranoia is taking information that's coming this way and, and shifting and sorting and looking for loopholes and looking for positive situations that are supportive of an apparent identity and looking so there's some kind of strategic uh, thing going on there, like a, like a, like a detective. So there's, there's some kind of insight that is but it's highly relative. So it's looking for uh, it's looking for a kind of proof that it can hang its hat on, that it can say, oh, okay, I got that one. So it's looking for there's some kind of grasping mentality that is along with it. Where the, whereas the insight that we call prajna is not interested in conclusions. So it is, it is not motivated by paranoia or self-centeredness that needs to protect. But it's, just, it's the same kind of, and it's still just uh, prajna. It's just, a, it's just relative prajna. Relative prajna that is, that is looking for angles and looking for success. And, oh, this, this isn't going to work over here. There's too many challenges over here. So it's sorting things out. Whereas the uh, prajna is also sorting, but it's not sorting based on some kind of a, a desired conclusion. It's already seeing what it's looking for. It's, it already is what it's looking for. Sometimes in the, the tradition is called threefold purity. It's, it's a, it's a um, no matter what direction you look, past, present, future, success, failure, uh, is or isn't all of those things are are pure because they're not separate from each other whereas the paranoid mind uh, is a is a kind of you could say uh, descriptively a, a low level prajna which is looking at you know what what's wet what's dry what's warm what's cold and the uh, prajna that is a uh, uh, prajna paramita or the wisdom which is crossed over it, it, it sees the duality, but it, it no longer is, uh, it's not in, not in business anymore. It's not in merchandising, trying to tit for tat kind of thing. It just sees reality as it is, and it shows up as uh, all kinds of differentiation and desire, but there's no one, there's no beingness there. So it may be uh, kind of a sparkling uh, uh, objectivity, but there's no, there's no subject that is 
is witnessing that or seeing that. It's just, it's uh, self-existing. When I say sparkling subjectivity, I'm saying uh, sometimes uh, it's called uh, empty and luminous. It's empty of any imputation or any ideas around it, and yet the very, the very presence of it that is there is like light. Doesn't mean that you can run through that table. Go ahead. I think you called it lower prajna. Does that stop functioning? You know, it might get stronger. But there's no one. There's no there's no one who is who is uh, who has an agenda or an axe to grind there. So but that kind of seeing could get even stronger. And and that would it would still be a, a dependent area there. So still be working with relative truth. But there would be no success failure situation happening. Yeah, you still could see who uh You, you can still see who uh, who murdered the butler. You ever play that game? You can, I mean, you can still see relative truth. You might see it more obviously because the the, the 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 kind of subjective bias that might have been going on before would not be there. So you might see even more clearly. But you also may not do anything about it because you you're not working with praise and blame anymore. So you can see. This did that, this caused that, that caused that. But because you can see deeply into this, you can see that nobody, you can't really blame anybody for anything. Even if somebody comes and kills somebody, there's still a cause and effect behind that person who did such a terrible deed. There's still some kind of cause and effect that causes that. Some kind of cause and effect that puts that person in the, in the path of that knife. So we're not... Not letting anybody off any kind of hook. There's no hook. And seeing that, uh, simply put, it's liberating. You're not. You're no longer. You're not freedom from something. Don't you? Another question from Melissa. Melissa, yeah. How do we look at anger and frustration without acting on it or making it a conclusion? How do we? How do we do this without making it into a conclusion? work with it. I just I just think it you just have to be persistent. You have to spend time. My understanding, and I'm I'm pretty biased because this is this is how I've been working with this uh, since I was uh, since I met my teacher in the early 70s is sit down hold still and watch the movement of the mind and do a do a lot of it. When you get up off the cushion then then insofar as you can try to try to watch what you're doing. Try to be aware of thought patterns and notice when the thought when something happens we we tend to add something onto it instead of seeing what it is that is dependently arisen there's no self in the skandhas form feeling perception concept consciousness there's no solid being anywhere the illusion of a solid being is overpowering overpowering and so therefore we get tied up in our and in ourself and the otherness the other person's personality and their hopes and fears and and they're blaming of us or blaming uh, themselves. It's just a, uh, it's constant. And, and people actually, by watching movies uh, about this, we, we were entertained by seeing this, especially when it's a play. So it's like we really know this is untrue. But we kind of want to watch that, some drama go through that we want to, Be entertained by the plays or the movies or Shakespeare for that matter. But the way to try to respond more directly to your question, the way to do it is train your mind. Do it regularly. Sit down, hold still. You don't have to necessarily join uh, Buddhism. I think it helps. I have a Buddha Dharma Sangha situation. I think it's powerful, it's helpful. Train your mind so that you're not no longer uh, believing your thought patterns. You know, you're not ignoring them. But you're no longer assuming that anything you, anything you think or anything you feel is the truth. It's not that the feeling isn't true, but what the feeling is about is extra. Do it with do it with a uh, with awareness rather than with the thought process. That doesn't mean kick the thought process out or stomp on your feelings or 
drug yourself or something so you don't have to feel anything. I'm saying include, include the feelings, include the thinking, but it's not necessarily um, valid. Mark Bowling. Mark. Um, I am a, an alcoholic, like, um, uh, like if I had uh, diabetes. I don't think I identify myself as that alone, but uh, um, and I use and I use that only in certain situations. I identify myself as a as an alcoholic. Yes. Um, and um, I'm just wondering whether um, whether I should stop doing that. <laughs> whether you recommend I stop? No. Going. Oh no no. Uh, no, you're a sponsor for uh, for people who are working with alcoholism, and you talk to them, and so you need to just stay connected with that organization. Of course, no, you would do that. I, I, I kind of see where your question is coming from, but I wouldn't do that at all. Just it's always about awareness. It's never about what's showing up in the awareness. That's that's a that's very challenging because it's so tempting to just latch on to anything that happens in the mind. And as soon as you latch on, that is a conclusion. That is a, uh, the door closes. And I'm just using the metaphor. It's not even a door. If it was a door, we could see it. We could say, well, I'm not going to close that door because I want to know the truth. So in your situation, I would just say, no, you use it to use it to help people. I get when I when I've talked to you a different since I met you it was six months ago. I don't see any reason to stop doing that? I've I've been in uh, uh, connected with AA and with Al-Anon and over the last forty years. So I think it's a good uh, good program. It's it's a program that some people that's the only thing they can do. They don't have any other resource. They they might have to approach it that way. And it can't. It's a maintenance thing. So you have to keep going and keep going. You have to keep reifying and reestablishing that situation, but you know it's a it's a relative situation, but it needs to be met where it's at. Not everybody is ready to sit down and look at a wall for hours and hours and hours. Not everyone is ready for that. So I, I have nothing to sell in that regard. Thank you. Yeah, certainly. Thanks. Yeah. So, so. They're very lucky to have have you talk to them, Junshu. You see that we're making, we're coming to a conclusion, and we see that we don't want to be the person who's concluding. How do we lose that war with ourselves? Um, I think first you should probably, since you asked the question, you should first look at the idea of what it would feel like to lose. Uh, it sounds like you're already losing already losing it's just that you're covering up the loss with uh not wanting to lose it's not like you're already losing just let it take you let it let it let it take you i'm not saying go out and end your life i'm not talking about that kind of thing i'm saying allow the feelings to come allow the feelings to wash through that you can do it i know you can do it uh, uh, just allow those emotions to come with no resolution no promise no light at the end of the tunnel. None of that. More? I didn't say it was easy. You can do it. I know you can. Further questions? You could take another one. There's another question. Anna Maria Bowling. Anna Maria. So. If I observe a situation comes up and um, this reaction that I have to what feels like the same situation, which is complete agony and fear and terror, and the conclusion there sometimes is, well, this comes up and it causes you that, so don't do that or don't show up for that anymore. But it it feels kind of fishy. How, how can I work with that and ex expand 
widen the picture and see what else is there. I'm talking about auditioning. All of a sudden, in the last 10 years, it's just terrifying and pure agony. And yet I still show up. And sometimes it feels like I'm like this gratuitous suffering. It's confusing to me. So I, I guess my question is, what am I not including? Um, so rather than say uh, what you're not including, uh, I think that's something that you need to look at rather than for me to point something out. And I could do that, but I think it's better for you to uh, spend time on the cushion. I know you, I know you meditate. Meditate a lot. But I think that's where it's going to show up. It's just a matter of uh, some kind of transitioning happening there, and you're not willing to let go of that uh, that identity of being an actor. You just don't want. You've got something locked down there. You just you want that. It's something that you've been uh, very idealistic about, and and also you've been you've had some success at doing that, and you're. Some kind of identity is tied up in that area. And I think that's what puts you in it uh, because the identity area is is uh, extreme and it's got a, uh, it's got, I don't know if you call it a waist grip, but it's got a strong grip there and it, it, you're getting some kind of uh, nutrition from that warfare. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. I mean, it's ridiculous to go and do something that is totally painful and suffering and Unless it's meditation, then of course it makes total sense. So I would, you know, uh, just this is showing up right now. I would say uh, um, uh, set it up for yourself. Do it with a form. Use a form rather than try to go in and arm wrestle yourself in space. Uh, you know, I would say take six months off and say, I'm not going to do any, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to take time off. I'm just going to maybe concentrate on some other aspect of your career situation. I know you're multi-talented as far as things that you can do. And so you might want to just, just stop it for six months. I sometimes tell people to just stop meditating for a while. Um, you know, even, even six months. That's not happened lately, but people could just stop for a while, break from it. And I'm Maria Bowie. Would I know if nope. I'm ignoring in that situation? Knowing you're ignoring is a no way you can know that you're ignoring. There isn't anyone. So if you know that you're ignoring, then that's not exactly ignoring. That's uh, someone with a concept of ignoring who knows something about the way that they're ignoring. And they already start to strategize about how they can change that or be someone who doesn't ignore. There's no way you can not ignore uh, passion aggression. There's no way you can get rid of passion, aggression, and ignorance. You need to watch those so that you don't continually reify, create, and construct an identity that is operating in the world in that way with those kind of uh, difficult energies. That takes a while. Bowing, I think you just nailed something. The identity of I, I want to be the. I want to be that person who doesn't ignore. Of course. That that was a that was a bullseye. Yeah, you can't, you, you can't be. It's the being anybody. You you want to be the Buddha. You want to be uh, somebody who doesn't ignore. You want to be somebody who's sane. Look at the insanity. The very crazy, most horrible thing that's happening in your psyche, whatever it is, or in your mind, whatever fancy word. You have to you have to look at it, and you have to look at it and make friends with yourself. And that's uh, my teacher uh, said that very early in his teaching in the West is that sit down, make friends with yourself, Let's work with the very negativity that you're that is giving you fits that you're trying to get over, trying to get rid of. By doing that, you eventually will see the idea there is that you see there is no solid being, and who you are is totally unthreatened by anything, and there's anything you can't handle. When I say handle. You're not concerned about what happens. The whole idea, the whole dynamic of something happening and not happening uh, starts to change. Uh, as His Holiness the 16th Karmapa in 1981 on his deathbed said, 
nothing happens. You had a hell of a sense of humor. Maria, go ahead. Just thank you. Maria Boeing. I was struck today during that daily drama gathering when you said that uh, you lie all the time. Yeah. Indicating that we all lie all the time. And here there, there is a kind of paradoxical dilemma we have when I'm looking at the notes which I create by using the words which Teresa gave. And, and yet the, the, those notes are created, are created out of those lies and yet I'm trying to understand what is there, which is kind of paradoxical. So I'm just wondering whether um, it, is that unhandling of the of that not happening just by looking at it and uh, um, and does it happen to everything which is appearing in front of us? Yes. Yes, it does. Maya Bowen, is this why Prajna is interested in seeing? Interested in oh, seeing. Is that a trick question? Yeah, that's true. We, we want to see what this is. And sometimes we substitute all kinds of other things that will kind of satisfy us. But yes, this is it's called bodhicitta, the mind of awakening. Once we once this is, starts to show up, whether it's relative bodhicitta or absolute bodhicitta, once this starts to show up, uh, the, the self-centeredness is, uh, is uh, unnoticed. Okay, we can we can close. So we, do the uh, and I'll have some coffee. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with light. <laughs> 